This is Strength Rehabs podcast with episode number four. Thank you for tuning in. What up, my people? Uh, we have uh, quite a bit of questions that we wanted to address before uh, moving on to the large topic that we had planned for this week. Uh, for my Florida people, I'm also in Florida. We are going to be battling the huge storm coming our way, right? Category 4 or something like that. Yeah, Category 4. So right now we're stationed up in Daytona, and uh, it's it's a direct hit at West Palm Beach, and I have the bright idea of going back home to, to fight the storm with my That's bare hands. That's just crazy. <laughs> so the first thing that we wanted to talk about, and it's a question that was asked, is how important is cardio, right? So what is your point of view on cardio, Raul? Um, how important is cardio? It, it it depends. It's highly dependable on your goals. Yeah. I mean, if you want to fat loss or just general health or whatever, if you're sports specific, you got to sprint more than you walk or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think it's a broad question. So I, I don't know what specifically to say you. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if you want to lose fat, yes, cardio will help you. It's a tool, but it's not the most important part because mm-hmm. um, we know that a caloric deficit is the most important part. But you can be in a caloric deficit easier by doing cardio. I don't know if that made sense. No, yeah, it definitely makes sense. It's, it's like extra said, calories that you're burning. Right, exactly. So, so I mean, so just to piggyback on that, it, when it comes to cardio and l- losing weight, it's it, it's a tool, right? We are just trying to burn more calories so you're in a larger deficit. Yep. Um, you, you can easily just eat one less thing a day and get the same benefits when it comes to fat loss. Um, but it, it highly depends on what your goal is. So exactly. uh, the, the secondary question was, would you rather do sprints or long distance? That's once again on the goal, right? It depends on the goal, yeah. But me personally, yeah. if I ever do cardio, yeah. it's definitely going to be sprints. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like eight or ten minutes just sprinting. Just get it and, over with. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I get the, the job done in in less time. Yeah. And uh, like, yeah, I, I don't have a lot of time to spend. So, so just personal preference, I would definitely go with sprints because it mm-hmm. doesn't take me a lot compared to low intensity steady state cardio, which I have to spend like what forty five minutes to an hour. I, I don't have that time to spend, and also it's boring. Yeah. So me, I prefer sprints. Yeah. How about you? I I would say that we got we got to look at cardio in a, a different light here. A lot of people think cardio I'm going to go run to point A to point B or get on the stairmaster and stuff like that. Guys, just lift weights way faster than you're used to doing. That's that's the only <laughs> cardio that I actually do. And a lot of people think that by lifting weights you can do like cardiovascular work and that's just plain wrong. It's just they're doing they're lifting wrong. You know, exactly. minute rest, minute rest, dude, I am wheezing. <laughs> minute rest, supersets like there's lots of stuff you could do for just cardiovascular while lifting weights. Exactly. Uh, the one thing I also wanted to circle back to is that the question itself is sprints or long distance. And I keep on saying it's about your goal, but it is what it is. So if we are trying to go for a long distance sport, you're going to train long distance cardiovascular health, right? You, you want to get better at what you're training to do. So when it comes to sprints, you're training what? Type 2 muscle fiber and then long distance type 1, right? Yeah. So if, if your sport is an explosive sport, that's type 2. So, yeah, you should be sprinting. You should be training that energy system. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, that's, if you're doing it for body fat, uh, body fat composition, yeah. diet will probably serve you better. You can cut down your rest times in the gym and probably get the same benefits. Um, but if you like cardio, go ahead and do it. Yeah. Right. At the end of the day, but, but just don't think that by lifting weights, you can do cardio cause you, you definitely can. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, honestly, that's all I really have to say about that. I mean, just do what you want. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> whatever you, whatever you enjoy doing. Yeah. Just more. tailor it to your goal. And I guarantee you, you're going to get the results you want. My dad used to, used to do cardio uh-huh. like two times a week, but now he just 
<laughs> he told me like I only rest a little bit while I'm lifting, so that's my cardio. That's that's the uh, that's the best way of doing yeah, that's it, man. That's the best way to do it. Yeah, Dude, you you're, can't get me to run. Anymore. You're doing resistance <laughs> exercise plus cardio at the same time, so yeah. Uh, the next question that we wanted to address was uh, weight belts. So I, I mean, there's this um, age old myth that hasn't gone away for some reason is it when you wear, wear a weight belt, you're no longer uh, taxing your taxing your rectus spinae and all your other core muscles, but that's just simply untrue, right? When do you think, Raul, that you would use a weight belt? I would use it, <clears throat> if it comes to performance, I would definitely use it. Uh, a common error I see is that people use it for every single exercises. Mm -hmm. They're doing bicep curls and they have like the weight belt like really tight, yeah. which is nonsense. Dude, it's like a corset yeah, at that this, point. That's stupid. <laughs> Waist um, training. Because <laughs> people think that weight belts are kind of like injury prevention. And I don't like to think of it that way. Um, a weight belt is just an extra tool that you have mm -hmm. something to brace against. External on. feedback. Exactly. Um, if you have a belt, you know that you should brace against it. But what happens when you don't have a belt? Also, you're not even thinking about bracing. Exactly. So that's the, that's the, that's the way I would use it. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to injury prevention, and uh, not really, it doesn't do a lot. That's mm. not what what it should do. And also, don't don't be stupid and use it like on the maximal potential, like tightness. Yeah. That's just not the way to do it. You can't brace at that point. Exactly. Yeah, right. I, I would just like to bring in bring it full circle when it comes to so your transverse abdominis, guys, is your quote unquote your natural weight belt of the human yep. body, right? Um, its job, its action is to draw in the core, or draw in the the, the abdominal area. Um, that's the action, but the function, when we talk about using a weight belt or squatting or deadlifting, it needs to resist the internal abdominal pressure that you're putting inside yourself. Um, so by putting a belt around you, you are cueing the, the abdominal transverse abdominus to do its job or its function rather. Um, other than that, if you have it, my, my suggestion is try to make it as tight as possible just to see how it feels and then back off a couple loops. Now, you know, that it's not as tight as it can be. And you're really using your transverse abdominis then. And if it's just for health, for health or longevity training, you don't need you don't need it. You don't exactly. actually need it. But if you don't hit some big numbers, it definitely helps. Oh, one hundred percent, dude! It's like anabolic at that. It point. also has like a psychological <laughs> side to it effect, but I, I think it also has a physiological one. Yeah, it'll help you hit bigger numbers. Exactly. I, I other than that, I would say train without it until you need it. Yeah. Um, for example, just to give you guys a little bit of insight, we're, we're in a week where we're doing five sets of almost everything and it's, it's, it's quite heavy numbers. Um, I will, I, I will be using my weightlifting belt. Uh, but once we, we taper down and we're in the lower sets and lower, higher reps rather it, I'm not going to be using it. I don't want to be dependent on an external cue. It's just, once again, it's another way to groove the movement for perfection. Yeah. It's just another tool in the toolbox, but you don't need it. The next thing the, that I'm going to get Raul riled up about is stretching. The pros and cons <laughs> of stretching. So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you a curveball, Raul. I want you to give me some pros to stretching. I personally don't stretch. <laughs> um, but pros of stretching, um, number one, if it makes you feel good, you don't have to stop doing it. Uh, why not do it, right? If you enjoy doing it, keep doing it. Uh, there's also some good research that says that stretching helps with short-term better range of movement mm -hmm. um so that that could be beneficial uh but to be honest i have more cons just because i'm biased against it mm -hmm. uh it decreases power output so i don't understand why people do it before working out or before lifting or whatever right um and i mean there it's it's just 
uneducated people, you know, like they hear someone say you should stretch before lifting because you're going to injure yourself. Uh, not really. Like, mm -hmm. how do you back that up? Give me give me your research or your right. education to to actually back that up. I, I could go and talk all day about this, but how about I, you? I would, I would say, like, I, I'm in the same boat as you. Is when we when we open up these ranges of motion that – all right, so, for example, let's put it into the real-world situation. We have these people stretching prior to squatting, deadlifting, or doing some heavy compound move. If we expand the range of motion that it, you are not used to being in, chances are that range of motion is not strong, right? So, in, in fact, stretching could lead to a higher risk of injury. It's It's – Think about it, guys. The reason why we're in a certain range of motion is because our central nervous system is saying, hey, this is where I'm strong. So when we stretch, we're opening up a range of motion we're not used to. And now we load it with the same numbers we planned on loading prior to stretching. We're most likely going to beat the rule of load over capacity. And you can't beat that rule. If you're, the load is higher than your tissue capacity, injury will happen. Um, so what I would say is, just to circle back for the pros of stretching... It could increase range of motion. Um, only time I would use that is if I'm trying to work on a movement deficit. If I know that my shoulder flexion is garbage, maybe at the end of my workout, I open it up and then do some isometrics to to really work on that range of motion, but what, not before a workout, not before a game, only for, I would say, it, for me going to bed because I'm too tight. It just feels good, right? Yeah, it feels good. And if and also I'm not, working on something. Not for injury prevention because we know that it does not help at all exactly. on injury prevention. And that's one of the main reasons that people actually do it. Yeah. yeah. It's an erroneous use. Yeah, it's just old, old school thoughts that people don't want to read. And also <laughs> people people use stretching uh, to be more flexible. Mm. And But if you think about it, why stretch and not do mobility because mm -hmm. real life movements are active they're not passive Talk about so, mobility real quick. so why why put yourself to some through some passive range of movement that mm -hmm. you're not gonna do on your real and actual life movements mm -hmm. so i think that when it comes to pros i would definitely go with mobility rather than stretching mm -hmm. because it's actual movement that you're gonna be put on in your daily life right Right. There's, there's a large difference between flexibility and mobility, exactly. right? Exactly. It's active range of movement against passive range of movement, which exactly. is more important, mobility, because it's actually active range of movement, yes. stuff that you're going to use day to day and day. To, to give you all an example of what we're talking about is go ahead and lay on your back and just have somebody bring your leg up and as far as it can go. And then after you find that end range, go ahead and relax and let's see if you can bring your leg to the same range of motion. If you can't, there's whatever that degree of difference is, that is that is basically your risk ratio. If you can't own that range of motion, that means you have a low tissue capacity and any load in that range of motion, you're susceptible to injury. Yeah, because you're weak also. Yeah, that you, you, you cannot own that movement. You're lacking the movement. Now, that can either be neuromuscular or that can be tissue weakness. So I, I think a lot, a large portion of it is neuromuscular. Mm -hmm. Once again, your brain's not going to put you in a position it cannot own. But we have ways of putting ourselves into positions we can't own, a.k.a. static stretching. And if we use it incorrectly, we are setting ourselves up for injury. Uh, I mean, I think we just mainly shit on stretching more than give pros. I <laughs> we didn't even transition into the... But people need to hear what stretching actually does and what does not. Yeah, I just like it's, it, once again, it is a tool in the toolbox where you need to understand what's happening. Um, let's uh, Before we move on... What do you think is happening within stretching? Do you think the muscle fibers are lengthening? I do not think they're lengthening, and I 
actually know they're not lengthening. Mm -hmm. um, it's just a neurophysiological change, short-term change. Exactly. It, it is what it is. Like once again, I keep on saying this line, but it's it's we are teaching the brain to release. It's not we're not taking a muscle fiber and stretching it, guys. It, that wouldn't make any sense. Like the actual change is neurophysiologically and not physical per se. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I mean. So just to, to, to divvy up on the other side here is, will you see a physical tissue lengthen? Maybe maybe because your your central nervous system is relaxing, you might see an increase in range of motion, but the actual tissue itself is not lengthening. Uh, yeah, I just I wanted to bring that. And if it's lengthening, it, it'll only be for a couple of minutes, maybe an hour or right. so, but stop stretching, wait two hours, try to do it again, it's going to be tight again. Exactly. And then this that window would be a perfect opportunity for you to work on isometrics to improve that movement deficit that you may have. I think we hit that pretty hard, and I think that might be good. Mobility <laughs> over stretching. 100%. <laughs> so moving on to the main reason why we decided to talk today was basically when you see Instagram rehab versus the real rehab, right? Um, Instagram makes it seem so easy, man. It, it's it, – yeah. Yeah. So, what, what is your what is your input when it comes to Instagram rehab versus real rehab? So, Instagram rehab is not real life rehab. Mm -hmm. um, all of us know that the rehab process is highly specific to the person, and it's it's a, it's a difficult process. It's not as easy as Instagram says. Like, for example, if you have knee pain, do this, and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. um, not actually not. Uh, yes, those exercises could help for some time and maybe I mean hell like it maybe might get rid of your pain but yeah. maybe not as it's not as specific as you need it to be right um because the rehab process has lots of stuff to think about your goals what do you do in your daily life uh your type of pain because everybody uh, has different types of pain and pain is highly specific to the person also right uh so just don't believe that if you do what Instagram says, you'll be fine. Right. You're just throwing everything at it until something works. Exactly. I mean, could it help? Yes, definitely. It uh -huh. could help. Uh -huh. But is it the only thing you should do when it comes to rehab? Definitely not. So you need a professional. I, I have a question for you because, I mean, like when it comes down to rehab versus Instagram rehab, there's, there's nothing being considered, right? So what are some main things that you would be considering for an athlete that's come to you for real rehab? So Instagram – majority of the time Instagram only takes in mind the physical part. Mm -hmm. Just do this, load the tissue, desensitize it, then sensitize it, mm -hmm. calm, shit the, calm shit down, then build, build it back up. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good, and that's a, a big portion of the rehab process, but you're not thinking about the psychological side of rehab, mm -hmm. the, the sociological side of rehab, mm -hmm. um, the pain side of rehab. You're only thinking about getting stronger. Right. And getting stronger, yes, will definitely help you 100%, but... What happens when you get stronger and there's still pain? Right. You can address. You need to address the psychological side of the. So why do you? Are you fearing this movement? Are you scared of re-injury? Mm -hmm. Blah blah blah. Uh, how are your relationships? How are, how is your stress level? Those those are the important part of the real life rehab. Just understand that it's not a physical issue. It 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 takes a lot of stuff to to get done. You know. Right. I, I'm, <clears throat> And all of us know that actual tissue damage is just like a small fraction of the whole pain formula. Right. It's just too complex to do to to get rid of by just moving and getting stronger. 
Exactly. I mean, we we always talk about that statistic where what thirty seven percent of people have a, like a rotator cuff tear and they have no yep. clue that one it's out there. of three people. Yeah, isn't that insane? That's insane. Um, what I, one thing I liked you, that I liked that you said was about stress, right? So that's that's internal load. Yeah. So what other things could be internal load in your book? Not sleeping uh-huh. or lack of good sleep. Uh, poor nutrition could lead to internal uh, internal load, more internal load. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, stress. Uh, financial problems. Yeah. Uh, how are your relationships? Your, uh, your family. Uh, like everything. Um, what do you think? I, I, every, you get the nail on the head when it comes to internal load. Um, and just circling back, there's the whole. You, people don't realize is when you get injured, you you might be 100% fine, but you could be in pain. It, it, I like to challenge anybody that got in pain. Go ahead and put yourself in the situation that you were in when you hurt yourself. There will be apprehension. That's why you got to address the psychological side of pain also. Exactly. Exactly. And I think it, it's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest part of the rehab process. That's why I say that Instagram rehab is not real rehab. Because if you get stronger, yes, odds are you will get less injured. Uh-huh. But what happens when you are in the movement that got you injured in the first time? You're freaking out. You freak out. You don't want to <laughs> do the movement. The, f- the fear of re-injury is like at, at its highest level. Yeah. Yeah. And then that and we, we already know that with high stress and high fear – pain is intensified yep. right so even if it's something very small discomfort pain it gets it gets thrown up there with intense pain um i, I was talking to you about this yesterday and i want to bring it up again instagram rehab is no different than you following some jacked guy in the gym you know you're just exactly. watching what they're doing and you're just gonna like all right when they finish that set i'm going to do the same thing it might help you yes it might help you but you don't understand why he's doing it what's his goal what's you don't his even intent? know why he's doing the exercises exactly. what are his goals why that load why that amount of sets of exactly. reps like you don't know anything you're just seeing the the outcome part mm-hmm. like you don't the, even know how strong he is you exactly. don't even know if he's working at 60% of his max or 40% <laughs> exactly. you know and that that makes a massive difference because we were just talking about earlier a large portion to why people get hurt is two things one programming selection of exercises i think that's and load the most. you know what i'm saying so people would be like okay i feel great today let me throw on a, a bunch of load and they just can't handle it or they go i i haven't hit a heavy deadlift in a while not taking account their internal load and i haven't slept my kids kept me up all night I haven't been eating well they go in they throw their back out they throw their hamstrings out or something of the sort because they didn't look at the whole picture so now now that you talk about that when it comes to health um do you think what what do you think is more important lifting with a perfect posture or building tissue capacity little by little 100 percent tissue capacity i mean why well okay so when it comes down to this quote-unquote perfect posture doesn't exist for example like for example this and i i'm trying to battle this back home with the uh my mother and her friends were like oh you're a chiropractor you have perfect posture there's no such thing as perfect posture guys that's what my mom always says it's it's but it's age-old thinking and it's not their fault it's just what they thought back then it's just your what what is the what is the saying your your best posture is your next posture your next, right yeah movement yeah movement is key if you sit all right so for example i like to bring this up is if you put yourself in any position even if it's a quote unquote perfect position i i challenge you to be in a perfect bicep curl and hold it for 8 hours or a, a, an easy example is drive Six hours with, go. with a perfect posture. What happens when you get out of the car? You're hurting. <laughs> You're miserable. <laughs> Why did I just do this to myself? I should have been leaning back. But it's just – think about it, everyone. You are taxing the same musculature for a very long time. It's no difference than holding a plank for six hours. You, it, The load might be different, but the, it's the same isometric contraction that you're trying to force upon yourself. Yep. It's – 
Yeah, so long story short, build your capacity in multiple ranges of motion because that's what life is. Why? What, what if I? What if you're just all right? You're playing a sport. All the athletes are listening. You're playing a sport, and I hit you because let's say it's football, and you're no longer in a neutral spine. That means since you haven't been training in that neutral spine, everything outside that range is weaker, and it's not going to own that motion. Now there goes your risk injury goes through the roof. You know. So what and you, do you think? and you actually see that like with. Top lifters, like they mm. deadlift 700, 800 pounds, and they even flex their back. Yeah. And people are like, how the, how the hell do they not get injured? Like, I'm pretty sure they loaded that progressively. Like, oh, you yeah. don't, you don't need a perfect form to hit big ass numbers pain free. Mm-hmm. You just need your tissue to be ready and capable of doing it. And exactly. how do you do it? Progressively loading it. Exactly. I mean, if you, if you hit 135 for the first time today in squat and next week you want to hit 225, all are you're going to be shit out yeah. of that workout. You're going to be injured. But what happens if you hit 135 today, then next week you hit 155 and mm-hmm. you progressively load it till you hit 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. Even though you don't have the perfect form, you're not going to get injured. Like it's high, it's less likely to get injured because you build that tissue capacity little by little. Exactly. Without perfect form, whatever that is. Yeah, so exactly. I think that when it comes to injuries, pain, health, building tissue capacity, it's more important than just lifting with perfect form. I would say also that in a thing that we have to draw a large line in the sand for is there's a large difference between lifting weights and preparing for a sport, yeah. right? Lifting weights for general health, you're probably not going to reach the percentages that a, a person for sport is going to be in. And also, your form's going to be different, right? Yeah. Oh, I want to train with the neutral spine and re- make sure the, the tension across my back is equal. Okay, fine. But if you're that guy that's trying to get on the top of that platform, you're probably going to round that back because mm-hmm. you're more mechanically advantageous from that position. Yep. It's it's leverage. Exactly. It, it's it. People need to realize that or at least define their goals. They need to know what they're in there for. Um I just yeah, like I said, it's all about tissue tolerance, and I I'd rather be ready for anything versus being really good in a specific position. Exactly. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, when it comes to, I'm just gonna give you a, a hypothetical, and I know I'm throwing you on the spot, but just deal with it. <laughs> um, you let's say you have a a specific person with knee pain, um, that can't let's say all right had an ACL injury, and you can't figure out as to why he's not progressing well he already went through a, a rehab a, a full six-week rehab what would be your first thing to help him out acl definitely psychological uh, a lot of the re-injuries of acl mm-hmm. it's because they fear the movement that got them injured and what do they do if they fear the movement that got them injured they don't get in that movement right and what if he's an athlete and he Let's say a soccer player got injured doing a certain movement. Mm-hmm. Even though he went to rehab and he's strong enough and meets the guidelines to go to play again, mm-hmm. if he didn't actually train the movement and got him injured, odds are you're gonna do the movement again. And right. if you don't if you're not prepared to do the movement, if you didn't get strong in that movement, you're gonna get re injured. And you combine that with the fear of re-injury, mm. also definitely you're going to get re-injured. And there's good research that says that when ACL, when people that get a, an injured or torn ACL or whatever, they don't address the psychological, the psychological side of rehab process, mm-hmm. like 50 or more percent of it, they get injured. But the ones that do address the psychological issue, like it's less than 30% that get re-injured. What does that tell you? That when it comes to ACL, the psychological side of the injury or pain is it's it's highly important. Oh yeah, oh yeah. 
And I, I think there's um, there's there's something to it where even if you're subconsciously avoiding a movement, you might be loading a different movement too, right? So, for example, if I'm if I'm avoiding knee flexion, let's say, I might be in, in knee extension more than often, and then that can also lead to a different type of mm-hmm. injury, right? So it's just it's all interconnected, you know. So like I liked how you said that you have to address not only the tissue, but we're not we're not addressing a machine. We're addressing a human being who has thoughts. You got to like you got to figure out why they are avoiding the movement. Obviously, probably because of the injury. Because they can be strong, but if they keep fearing it, they're Man, pain is still going to be there. Oh, 100%. And that's, and that's what I think, one of the biggest battles when it comes to PTs is they have to understand, like, okay, this, this specific muscle that we were rehabbing is now up to par. How do I get this lifter to be okay with the movement again? And then that's where I would say you would break down the movement into certain ranges of motions until they're doing the full thing. Um, would you do anything different from that? or What do you mean? Uh, so when it comes to... All right, let's say back to the ACL. Um, one of my things is aside from like aside from building up the tissue capacity, I would also try to help the psychological part other than talking to them, but also let's say squat. We'll break we'll break down the squat in ranges of motion. Yeah, exposing them to the movement little by little. Yeah, you're not gonna do a full ass to the grass squat <laughs> like blow right out, out of it. Again. Yeah. <laughs> you're just gonna go through stages. Once you do this, okay, you 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 could do a more range of movement. Once mm. you hit this, you can do a box squat. After a box squat, you can get rid of the box, do go a little bit deeper. And if you address it little by little, odds are that you're gonna get better. Mm-hmm. But if you try to go from 0 to 100 in just one day, that's just not gonna happen. People aren't patient enough. I think that's another large issue. And rehab takes time. That's yes. another part of Instagram rehab. Like you think you're gonna do this and you're gonna be fine. Yeah, you could be fine. Like short term but the real rehab process it it, it takes some it, it takes tissue some time. tissue adaptation takes time and it takes consistency and then just circling back to a question we had was you have plenty of people that come to the doctor and they try to get treatment and then they expect to be ready or, or better in a week or they come literally once they come once a week and they're like all right well that's going to take care of it no nope no, no. <laughs> we're biological machines force the adaptation it, I, I don't know people just and if you think about it an hour appointment with your doctor, your chiro, or whatever is less than 1% of your week. Mm-hmm. So what you do outside on the 167 hours that you're outside of that mm-hmm. office is what's really going to give you better outcomes than yeah. just what you do on the office on that one hour. Exactly. How are you living your life? Exactly. It's the, li- and the back to the, I always said that the, the more we get into the depth of things, you circle it back to the age-old sayings again. It's the little things. Yep. It's it's what you were doing every day that's going to have the compounding interest to have the large effect on your life. And that's why some patients get better and some not because let's say this patient comes to your office, mm-hmm. you treat him, you do X or Y, you do whatever, but what if the patients don't do the homework that you assign them? What if they don't keep loading the tissue? Mm-hmm. What if they don't keep doing the exercises they're supposed to do? They're not going to get better, man. Not, not at all. But then comes another patient. You educate him, you do whatever you have to do, you treat him on your appointment, mm-hmm. and he actually does the stuff mm-hmm. that you ask him to do or that you prescribe him to do. Also, that patient is going to get way better than the other patient. Oh, easy, easy. Uh, why, why do you think that patients will get prescribed stuff? Like, or for example, like, you know, we go to school to become experts in a specific field, right? They get hurt and they come to you for advice. You give them the advice and they don't follow it. I think it's half and half. Sometimes it's the doctor's fault and sometimes it's the patient's fault. Okay. Um, I think that doctors sometimes fail by finding movements that the patient actually enjoys doing. Mm-hmm. Because if I like lifting, my 
like the majority of my patients might not need to actually lift. Mm -hmm. So what if I prescribe him lifting exercise and if he doesn't like it, he's not going to do it because he has no motivation in doing it. That makes but sense. what if I find movements that the person that the person actually enjoys doing it? Mm -hmm. Well, sorry, he's going to have the motivation to do it because he enjoys that movement. Yeah. So I think that on the doctor's side, just f talk with your patient and find whatever he enjoys doing and do more of it. And actually don't prescribe him like 10 or 15 exercises. Stick to two, three, four exercises, small things that mm. you know that he actually is going to do. Yeah. Because if you prescribe lots of movement, number one, he's going to forget everything. Number two, it's going to be a whole lot and the patient won't want to do it. That's true. But, but if you stick to three simple exercises that you, you keep doing this, he's going to do it. Right. And more if he enjoys doing it. Yeah. What do you think? I, I 100% agree. It, it's, it goes back to the diet as well, right? Like we talked about how like why diets don't work. Well, people don't want to do it. You know what I'm saying? You mean to tell me I can't eat the carbs or the french fries, the Oreos, the, all the other things that I, I love eating? They're not going to do it. Then why would they do it? And I liked how you said it. You break it down to – the gross movements that you know they need and make sure they love it. If you have a golfer, make something work with the golfer. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to put them in the gym and make them do only sagittal plane movements or up and down movements. Get some rotation in there. It's, it's something that they can see transfers right into their sports performance because odds are they injured themselves doing something they love. So why don't you give them something that they're going to progress towards and get better at the thing they absolutely love? Yep. Now, you did say it was half and half. What about the patient side of things? Why do you think they don't do it? Lack of motivation. Mm -hmm. They Maybe they lack motivation. Maybe they don't think they'll get better mm -hmm. with the prescribed movement, with the exercises. Because sometimes patients think they only need some tough tissue work, some massage, some adjustments. Uh, I don't think so. Like, if you only go, like I said before, if you only go to an appointment with your doctor just one time a week, that's not even one percentage of your whole week. Right. If you get adjusted or if you get soft tissue done on you, yes, it might help you for some time, but will it help you long term? I, I, I just don't think so because it's just absurd to think that something done once in a week mm -hmm. will help you in your like all the rest of your life in the 160 plus hours that you're outside of the office. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's lots of stuff that might affect why why the patient doesn't want why the patient doesn't get better. Mm -hmm. But I think lack of motivation, uh, uh, lack of belief on the line of treatment. Okay. Um, I I think those are the top two. At least that's what I've seen personally. Right. What do you think? I I once again I'm I'm in line with you, man. When it comes to, I have a question. How are where, where's the line in the sand when it comes to uh, patient and doctor relationship? Where how do we instill how do we instill uh, not only motivation but insurance that what we're doing is 100% the correct thing for them? How do you think that we can do that? You can present them with research. Okay. Some Sometimes people will read it, sometimes not. Um, I just would <clears throat> explain it, explain the why, mm -hmm. explain that I have the research to back it up. Mm -hmm. And if, that, if they want to actually read it, that I can give it to them. Mm -hmm. um, I and just patient education, man. Like, obviously, if someone comes your way and he, the patient thinks he needs like an adjustment right now, mm -hmm. if you don't give him that adjustment, number one, he won't go to your office again, right? And number two, he won't get better, yeah. Because if he actually believes that he'll get better with the adjustment, he's gonna get better. He's gonna get better. At that, least that's how. That that's how. Yeah, that's how this functions. You know. That's that's the crazy part about it. Where 
it one it circling back to just the structural damage and then the mental the and mental aspect of pain is you can have structural damage believe something's going to help you still have that structural damage but be in less pain if you don't address this it's it's almost like you're going uphill battle that you're never going to win you have to hit it from all angles but but it's a it's a hard process because patients believe that like the majority of patients believe that pain just comes from physical damage mm -hmm. and i mean it's not right but We should. I mean, they're not educated as well as us, right? So it's it's just a difficult process. But if you think about it, you don't have to change your patient beliefs in just one appointment. Yeah. If they've been living with that belief for thirty, forty, fifty years, mm -hmm. you're not going to change it in an hour or not even in a month. Exactly. It's just a, pro a gradually progressive process. It takes everything takes time, and it's yep. like once again, age old saying. You know, like, yep. <laughs> it always circles back to the, to those wives' tales and all the things. I, I I keep drawing these comparisons, and I'm just going to keep on drawing them because I personally like them. It just everything circles back to the things people have been saying for years. You are what you eat. Of course, you are. You know, so it just. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that hits everything that I want to talk. Oh, we got one more. We got one more. We got one more. So this is a question that <laughs> your friends were asking, um, and it's kind of a common question, is when it comes for diets for athletes. I mean, I don't think we need to dive into the specifics of athletic, athlete diet, athletic diets and all that. But, for example, where, where do we say yes and no to the night out of drinking, uh, the, the, the sleeve of Oreos, The pint of ice cream. Where, where do you think that all runs into each other? It all comes down to everything in moderation is good. Uh -huh. um, a lot of Oreos, a lot of alcohol, you know it's not good for you. But mm -hmm. if you take it once a week, why not, you know? Mm -hmm. um, you need to understand your body. Like right now, I know how my body works. I know when I can have a beer, when I can have some Oreos. Because mm -hmm. I'll, I've been doing Every this night. for like five, six <laughs> years. And I know how my body works. Yeah. Um, if If you ask me like... The first year I started like trying to eat better and live, I didn't know how my body worked, mm -hmm. so I couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. But once you're in this game, like you, you will understand how your body works and you will know when is enough. Like, mm -hmm. yes, you can follow macros and you can blah blah blah. Like, okay, I'm not gonna eat carbs this morning or this day because I'm gonna go out and drink this night. Yes, you could do that, but. Is it sustainable for life? I don't know, man. Like, I used to measure my macros, uh -huh. but it's it's just being a slave. Yeah, it's you're adding more so stuff to your just more time to your exactly. day. Exactly. Just invest time in yourself and knowing your body, mm -hmm. and your your God is gonna tell you when you should stop and when not. Yeah, I think it's just highly personal. Yeah, and and I think that that's the biggest thing is everyone's trying to find the next best secret to what makes you bigger, faster, stronger look more shredded but at the end of the day the biggest secret is you look in the mirror listen to yourself it's going to tell you like okay maybe those seven plus beers last night i feel like trash right now my body didn't adapt to that quite well um yeah just but like, there's going to be ups and downs like everything right so right it you're, you're not going to have perfect progress exactly so do you think you can still lose fat while drinking beer having oreos or whatever <laughs> should, should i quote myself from two episodes <laughs> 12 ago? donuts 12 donuts but yeah just i i 100 believe it because once again guys you can you can drink that beer and be in a calorie deficit it depends on what you ate that day however if you decide to be in a surplus and you drink beer you just got to kind of even it out in the long run right you just got to make sure that okay i was in a surplus two days ago maybe i should be in a little bit of deficit here and then it will once again balance out you know it's once we understand that it, it's no longer uh, a science to looking better even though it is don't get me wrong um and we just know that notice that this is how my body's storing energy it makes much more sense and it's a lot less stressful. 
You know what I'm saying? So if we demand our body to use its stored energy, we are going to look shredded. We are going to look good in the mirror and look yeah. good naked, you know? Yeah. But but once again, people make it into a, oh, you want six-pack abs? You need to hit seven sets of abs with, you know, some kind of crazy And just you supplement. eat your chicken salad in water. Right. Like you got these juice heads that are on thermogenics sweating their <laughs> ass off, and the, you know, <laughs> waiting for the, the, the leg adductor machine, you know? Yeah, it's <laughs> – it's, we were at the gym the other day, and that guy literally was on the leg extension. Or no, leg curl machine. Easily for like 40 minutes. Bro, he had like a gallon of Gatorade, Gatorade. and he was – we were done with our exercise. Gallon of Gatorade is almost gone, still on the leg, leg curl machine. I think his extension. whole workout was the leg curl machine. Oh, God. You know, once again, like <laughs> you, you're in the gym to do what you want. But uh, homie's going to have the strongest hamstrings in, in the, the world. world. <laughs> That's right. Uh, <laughs> Um, we got deadlift today. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. go deadlift. Five sets of five. No, yeah, five sets of six. Yeah. Six, six sets, sets of five. five. God, I'm, I'm, it's going to be horrible. I feel like I'm drunk. I can't even get the, the <laughs> set counts right. All right. I mean, um, whoa, one last topic. One last topic. Time management. Oh, we got a couple uh, questions about time management. Yeah. Oh, so I'm going to ask you first because I've replied to all of your questions uh, first. I'm just so how, how do you, full of questions today. How do you manage your time between... Everything. Strength, rehab, uh, school, relationships, gym. Like, how, how do you do it? I have a couple tips I've been, like, thinking about. Because like, once once you mentioned that people have been asking, I was trying to think about how I get shit done. Um, age old, put put things on a list, knock it out. It's it's easy because you can feel productive and easily forget something, right? So that's the first thing. Another thing that I always realize is the hardest thing is starting, right? At least for me. But there's sometimes people, the hardest thing is, is, is uh, finishing. I would say if you have issues starting something up, pick the easy things on that list. Just knock them out. And you're like, all right, I already knocked out three out of the five. Let's get this thing done. Or vice versa. If you are a person that can't really finish, hit the hard things first. Get them out of the way, and then it's all downhill, and it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. Also, wake up early. Easy enough. I mean, obviously, let your don't compromise your sleep, but just if you wake up early and you get done with what? two out of the five things you have to get done and then you see people waking up me personally that is a motivation like that is so motivational it's like i'm better than you i don't think that but like you know what I'm saying it's like i got so much <laughs> you more do done. think that <laughs> so i mean other than that i mean just also for the things you want to do put that at the end because if you truly want to do like for example like i lift i, I lift after i do everything because i know regardless of the time i'm gonna go lift that's what i really want to do um I'm not going to go lift, do all the things I want to do, and then sit down and, and study anatomy yeah. and the Douglas, what, the yeah. Douglas Arculate line and yeah, stuff like that stuff. for my quarter fours out there. <laughs> what, what about you, man? What, what about, what's your keys to success? Um, I'm not successful. Nah, um, man. This guy reads, like, honestly, I saw him reading the other day. He was, like, flipping the book. He reads so fast. He, like, the, the, it's a, the second <laughs> per page. So, I mean, that's one way you oh, can my. cut down on everything. That, that works. Hyperspeed of reading. Um. I don't do lists like you do. Mm. I just know my priorities. Um, I wake up early. I do. I I, I even wake up at maybe at five a.m. Okay. On weekends, and I study. And by twelve p.m., I'm done, and I can do whatever I want. I can yeah. go lift. I can go cook. I can do whatever I want. Um, I think that number one, know your priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, my priority priority right now is school. Mm-hmm. So I don't compromise my studying for anything, not for lifting, not for resting, not for reading or mm-hmm. anything. Um, I study enough to know that I'm going to pass and then I dedicate my time to my other priorities because mm-hmm. school is not my only priority right. right now. I have lots of other stuff. Right. Um, 
like I said, know your priorities. If you have to write everything down, if you're that type of person, do it. Right. If it helps you, like, visually seeing it, do it. But I know what I got to do, and I know when I got to do it. Mm -hmm. So just do the stuff that you need to do, even though you don't like, first, like you yeah, said. Yeah, just knock it out. And then leave the enjoyable part for, for, for the last part. Yeah. You'll always do the thing you enjoy. Exactly. I, but I, I, like one thing I wanted to bring up because I forget because I didn't write it down on a list uh, <laughs> was uh, a lot of people say they don't have a lot of time in the day. Don't get me wrong. There's some circumstances where you, you probably don't have a time. Like, for example, we're in school from, what, 7 to 5, give or take. Um, I get that. That is a time schedule that you cannot break. However, if you really think about how you spend the rest of your day – it's wasted. You, like, if I'm talking to the general person right now, it is absolutely wasted. And the thing is, like, you got Netflix that will literally don't give you time to even contemplate your life. You know, as soon as the one episode's done, it goes to the next one. Yep. And then you look at the time. Like, I just crushed three hours of Netflix. All right. I, <laughs> I reevaluate my life. And I'm going to talk shit about our partners, about our colleagues, because a lot of people here at grad school say they don't have enough time. But, mm -hmm. man, there's more than enough time. Oh, yeah. And if you see them at school, we have what two hours of break, and what do they do? They they should yeah they fuck yeah, around. They go and have a chat. They go eat. They go watch Netflix or whatever. Mm -hmm. They go have a nap. Why don't you use that time to study, and then you have the whole afternoon free? Right, right, it's exactly. Just priorities. It's and they always and this once again the general student they always put it off the last minute, and we already know scientifically proven that you're not going to retain it. You're going to have to learn it again for boards, and <laughs> and then you're going to be stressed out even more. You know, it's just. What, what what is it? You can't you can't pay attention more than an hour, and for ultimate recall, you should do a little bit each day. Right? And you don't need a whole lot of hours to study every day. Mm -mm. If you just do a little bit, one or two hours every day on your free time, dude, you're gonna be more than fine. I, I what I've been doing recently that I found that it would be, it's been helping a little bit is two things. One, if I'm in the shower and I'm not doing anything, I'll just kind of just like recite something that I you know the blind memory topics that you're just a nerd. Nah, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? When it comes to it, like, you know it's going to be on the test. You know that it's not necessarily important for real life, but you know it's going to be on the test. you got to get the points. So I'll sit there and I'll rattle off the internal iliac branches, yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Or right before bed, I found that if I sit there and I read something just right before bed, I'll wake up. It's crisp. It's crisp, clean. It's in my mind. I'll never forget it. Yeah. What, what I do is, like, on every single break, you know me, I'll go to my place and mm -hmm. I'll just study whatever we we need to study. Yeah. With and your reading I'm, speed, it's literally you get everything. I'll, and then I'll <laughs> The afternoon, like, I don't have to do anything. Maybe study a little bit more, but mm -hmm. I, I have free time to do whatever I need to do. It's, it's, it all comes down to priorities and knowing you. And if you have the chance, yes, practice speed reading. Because whenever your colleagues are reading one time the PowerPoint, you can read it three, four times. So I'm that, that also helps. I'm definitely working on it. But, yeah, it all comes down to priorities, man. I, I mean, I think we, we hit everything. We actually stayed on topic this quarter. I not quarter. This this podcast. This, this time. <laughs> actually, hey, this quarter, too. We're doing good this quarter. Yeah, it's um, almost done. Yeah. I think we can go deadlift now. See you.